Destiny on the line, knocked out a hundred times. Right back up, we climb, we climb, we climb, we climb. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the very first edition of The Rex Effect. I am so excited for my guest today because when I decided to do a podcast, I started thinking about who my very first person was going to be, and it had to be you. (laughs) Going off of everything I've been through, a lot of my thoughts, my experiences, um, things that helped shape me where I'm at today involved you. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my very first guest, which is my ex-wife, Emily Jensen. How are you? Hi. <laughs> I remember the first time I asked you, I said, hey, would you like to do be on my podcast? And you're like, what? <laughs> and I, after we got done, I was like, gosh, she's got to do it. Just because it had to be you. Like you had to be first because so much of where I'm at today actually involves you. So when you, when I talked to you again, you said you'd do it. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, sweet. So well, it was definitely something I had to think on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the coolest part is, is everybody I tell that my first guest is going to be my ex-wife. Everybody's like, what? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're really shocked. So I think the nice part is that we're at that place now where we can, you know, yeah. sadly too many people aren't in that boat. So, well, I mean, it's taken a lot of years. (laughs) No, for sure. It definitely took some time, but, um, so I'm going to let you start out with how we kind of first met. So, well, we met in high school. I was a sophomore and you were a senior and we can blame Haley Romander for this because, you know, everyone liked to tell me, oh, he's a jerk. He thinks too highly of himself. And um, he's ungettable. <laughs> and I was that girl that's up for a challenge. Shouldn't have told me that. So yeah. then I, you know, gave you the starry eye looks at school during lunch and worked my way up into making you ask me out, I guess. I think we didn't go to your friend's house. Wasn't that the first time we met? Like Beezy's or something? Yeah, I think you came to like a little hangout, but we didn't talk too much. And then, um, I don't know. I think it was like Rumorville City like got around that you should ask me out to the dance. So you asked me to the dance, but I already had a date. So I had to tell you no. Came to my house, yeah, and I was like, He talked to me. I remember actually, like, I could hear you after you shut the door. Yeah, I was like screaming, (laughs) I was so excited. Yeah, I remember that. I was like running to my my mom. Well, I think it's terrible with that is people's perspective of it because what you actually found out is I'm actually just very shy, right? Like, people's perspective of it when you're quiet and you don't talk to everybody. Oh, it was just that you're too good looking to take people out that was like the school rumor like that's why everyone thought oh you think you're a hot shot and really it was because you know you rebelled against your father you had no money you had no car and you were shy so you didn't dare 
ask anyone out because you're going to be like, I'll take you out, but you'll need to drive me. <laughs> Those are actually all facts. Okay. I can't even, I can't deny it. <laughs> That's actually too funny. Um, so we do, we start dating. We actually broke up for a bit. Right. And mm-hmm. then, and, and realistically, man, it just, it got to a point where it wasn't healthy, mostly involving myself. <laughs> And you got to the creepy obsessive stage yeah, for no, a minute. It was just that weird. Just God, too attached. God, it's weird how like young males, we do this, right? We, we view the person with, we're with as though like they're ours, like a possession almost. Yeah. And it's so stupid how you have this mindset. But we ended up breaking up, got back together, ended up having a child. <laughs> And uh, so, because I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we end up having a child. We end up start dating again. Mm-hmm. And get married on my 18th birthday, <laughs> senior year. I'm not going to lie. I used to always tease about that. I was like, I planned that really well. Right? I know. Yep. <laughs> one I gift. Buy one gift. Yep. It, not. <laughs> It's terrible now, but it was kind of funny at the time. Yeah, it would have been 25 years this February had we stayed married. February 23rd? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's got to the point where we got married and we'd already had a child. Mm-hmm. Things looking back that first year, the year looked back and maybe thought, man, wish I would have done this different. Well, I mean, we had a rough start. Sure. Really poor. Um, you know, lived with your parents, lived with my mom, got our first house, started a fire, you know, like no concept of what it's like to be married. Being an adult. Mm-hmm. Like we were both kind of awful really to each other that first year. Oh, I think it was... We were honestly headed for divorce, but then I got pregnant with Branson. Well, we almost did. We had a point where we basically yeah. sat down. We're like, what do we want to do? Do we want to like get a divorce? Do we want to make this work? Until I found out I was pregnant again. So it really is true. The kids kept us together. <laughs> well, and I think from there, actually, things really did start to improve in many aspects. Some areas they didn't. Yeah. But, um, I remember we got a house up on the Highway 89. And all I remember from that house is Branson having colic. <laughs> I remember I work like a 12 hour shift or something, come home and you've been dealing with him all day and he'd be crying all night long. I slept out on the couch and he slept in his car seat Yeah, for the majority of the time we lived there. Yeah. I, I remember. We used to tease cause he had that flat spot oh, yeah. on the back of his head yeah. from sleeping in a hard car seat. But it's like, I think that up position helped his belly. And then we were just trying to give you sleep yeah, so no. you could go to work. And I remember there's times where you're like, it, it's your turn. <laughs> like, I got to work. You're like, I've been doing all day. It's your turn. Sometimes. And I remember putting him in a car and he, that's how we'd have to get him to sleep is driving. Sometimes. Oh, Drive him around. It was painful. Yep. And then there's times where you go to get him out of his car seat and you wake back up and you got to go take him for a drive again. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I remember you'd finally get him out of the car and it was a two door which made it worse and finally get him on the floor. It's like, nope. <laughs> like, luckily he fell asleep. And mm-hmm. 
Like you're I'm not just probably yet. why he got so used to that dang car seat. I know. So again, we were still struggling a little bit with money and things like that. Yeah, like, I mean, just living that two kids. We were nineteen and twenty-one. We were both high school dropouts. Just which, had our GEDs. Yep. So we had not the, not a good path to jobs. Start. I mean, we had jobs, but you can't get paid a lot, so you're just kind of scraping by. But I don't even think, do we even do any, I don't even think we did any welfare. Like we just not made that it work. Time, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, not that time we, we never We didn't had. get any help. Well, and so we, we got into the other place. And mm -hmm. I, felt I like that we place. We really started, yeah, I felt like even as us, us as a family started to do better there. Like, a little better there. Mm -hmm. Felt like you could see some maturity a little bit. I mean, we still fought a little bit like the time that I put the vacuum through the door. I don't even remember that. Yeah. I don't remember that. You know what I remember, though? I remember me being, like, really selfish. I remember because I was playing basketball, like, four to five nights a week, probably. Mm -hmm. So, literally, I'd go to work, come home, go to basketball. Mm -hmm. There's not even a conversation. There's not a, you know, just well, like, I'm going to go do what I want to go do. And we'll keep this PG, but the only thing we <laughs> ever fought about was, you know. <laughs> yeah. Happy t bedroom time. Well, and you were... You were pregnant at the time, right? Which well, no, I just had. Remember, I had Branson. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just had Branson. So Branson was about ten months old when we lived in there, and he had just gotten done with being colic. He was on whole milk, and he would wake up in his crib happy, yeah. like singing. That's why, like, that stress was kind of over. Yeah. But then we never really transitioned back into like, just like marital closeness for us. Yeah. For, us. for sure. So when I felt neglected, I, you locked me out of the bedroom and I put a vacuum through <laughs> I it. I do remember that. I just not used to that. Yeah. Well, and I, well, of course these stand out in my mind cause they're what sure. affected me the most. Yeah. Well, that's actually what's fun about having you here. I mean, we kind of talked a little bit before, but it's nice hearing perspectives yeah. because I only had mine, mm -hmm. you know? And so I never, in a lot of ways got to ever hear yours. So but we started to do better. I felt like in many aspects, many aspects not, but we moved to North Dakota, which again, also I feel like in many aspects was really good for us. Yeah. Your brother got home off his mission, got a football scholarship to Maple State University. He married his high school sweetheart, who was my high school friend. And we were like, I was like, we should go with him. You should get your degree. Like you'll be there with your brother. And I think you thought that was a great idea and you decided to send some football film up, basketball film up even. And they actually wanted you on the football team, yeah. which was pretty crazy. Well, it was nice because Bobby did really well his freshman year. Yeah. And so. And I'm sure helped. he helped kind of be For like, sure. yeah, my brother's athletic and yeah. And by, and by then you were like 6'2", 220, like a little chubby 220, but still thick. I don't remember chubby. <laughs> I thought it was actually pretty good back then. Well, compared to me marrying you at like 190, yeah. you were um, just an adult, you yeah. know. We didn't it, we didn't have a gym life back then. No, I mean, I mean we didn't know anything about yeah, yeah, health or nutrition yeah. or going to a gym. No, I was actually one of my better shapes though, as far as Well, like, I mean, I yeah. basketball all the time. But. And once you started working out at uh, Mabel State, yeah. you got up to 240, but it was muscle 240. Yeah, got huge. But so we got up to North Dakota. Mm -hmm. um, 
They actually were nice enough to find me a job. So I got there with a job yeah, already working right. at the Trail County Tribune. I made six twenty-five an hour and worked part-time. Well, I remember our first, we wanted to do it with no help. Yeah. And I remember your first paycheck. We were like, we can't afford everything. Like, what are we going to do? We couldn't afford anything. And so we had, we to, had go to go to the church. The one time, yeah. And it wasn't, it was a like a Methodist mm-hmm. food bank. And we had to go get some canned food and things that we needed because we were there with no family and yeah. two hungry kids. So no, we. I mean, I've told a few people that that we had to go through welfare, you know, yeah. going through college basically to help us. Well, you were a full time student, so yeah. I mean, we got any kind of help that anyone could give us. I mean, yeah. I never felt bad about that because I worked, and eventually my job went full time. So I mean. We were up there giving it, you know, our all. Well, so. and I think it's, that's exactly what it's for, right? Yeah. It's for people bettering their lives. And <laughs> I've paid that all back tenfold, you know. Well, by the time you graduate, and I you both. get a degree. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But it's, you know, one of the struggles that we encountered while we were there and stuff. But we went and bought our own home up there. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of great memories. For 45,000 bucks. Five bedroom, two, yeah. two, two bath garage. Two car garage, yeah. Wow. We we got a USDA loan. Our payment was three hundred and forty five bucks a month for a house. It's crazy to think now, about. Let's make sure we clarify that. That's not because we're old and that's what the prices were back then. That's because North Dakota was so cheap. Right, but so. they are actually way higher than that are now. now. Yeah. But I mean So we are old. Okay. Thanks. They're probably double. <laughs> they're probably double. Yeah. But yes, even then you couldn't have got that. No. In Utah for well, anything. Went over a hundred grand, ninety thousand at least in Utah at that time. Because we were like blown away. We were like, what? Oh yeah. Forevermore. So, I mean, our house we got in Corinne was like what, one eighty five. Um, and that also was huge and incredibly cheap. But then once again we're out in Corinne. So yeah. we never bought where it was like market status. Yeah, not even close to mm-hmm. North Dakota. Yeah. So memories from North Dakota, good, bad, things that were challenges. Um, Still you being immature, going and playing video games at the college till that. three or four in the morning, I would wake up, load up these babies and go drive by and make sure your car was really there. And it was. So, I mean, I always kind of felt like... I mean, trust issues because sure. I, I always that. kind of felt like maybe it's cheating. And well, and I look back and it's like you're up there by yourself. Well, I mean, we have nobody but each other. And mm-hmm. then I made good friends, which is who I was usually with, with Gary. And well, because, you know, Bobby and Haley went home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that no, left it, us there with literally nobody. Yeah. No, and it is. It's one of those where you look back and you're like, man, I was so selfish doing my own thing and again I was my priority and yeah and I didn't mind it sometimes I think I had a hard time when you would stay out that late for sure like if you would come home at one or two in the morning just so and like woke me up so I could feel secure about it you know um because it because you wouldn't answer me like we barely had those cell phones it's not like you could really I mean, we weren't even texting yet. We yeah. had those little Nokia <laughs> stupid cell phones and flip, flip stuff. Phones. Yeah, so sometimes I could even reach you. Yeah. 
Yeah, because so, I mean, early on we like didn't that. have any cell phones. Mm-mm. It was it wasn't until about the last maybe no year we or no our first one was 1999. Mm. Yeah, 2000 we got that kind of heavy where the, the little antenna pulled up. Jeez. And it was a Nokia. We got those. <laughs> I don't you remember that. Yeah. And then I think we advanced to the flip phone. Yep. Yeah, that was like the next one. But yeah, I mean, those were hard. Lots of good times, though. For sure. Lots of good times for the kids. Yeah. Definitely getting the house was a high point, like, because it was a big house for the four of us. And they got like a toy room and... Well, I think it helped a lot, too, when you made a couple of good friends up there, too, like Stephanie and stuff, because it had somebody else to communicate with rather than feel like it was just. Yeah. Me. I mean, I was young, so I always had an easy time making girl friendships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got along with the people I worked with and yeah, me and Steph would do like girl trips to North Dakota or I mean to Grand Forks, yeah. things like that. So. No, and I remember playing football, and you guys would all come to the games. Yeah, right? it was it was football games were a highlight. Well, it was. I think one of the best things for us was moving away from family because we it's all we had. Mm-hmm. I mean, because at the end of the day, one of us is upset. We leave. We're coming right back because there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah, but definitely, I felt like that started to see a lot more maturity, especially towards the end. We still had some unhealthy fighting, sure. though. I mean, that was the only real negative. Yeah. It's like really, I always felt like we were extreme. There was when less we of it. Yeah. It felt like there was less, less of it. Less often, but, then but when once it did we happen, did, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. For sure. be, it always felt it was too much drama. Well, and one thing that I, I tell people all the time is I made a quote about it. So she's not, she's not nagging and complaining. She's communicating. Listen. Because I remember back that this is one of the big issues is when you were trying to explain to me what you needed and what you were unhappy about, I viewed it as nagging and complaining. But really what you were doing was trying to communicate with me what was wrong and well, yeah, how you were I mean, feeling. But like tw- 12, we were married 12 years and 10 of those were, it was me nagging about the same thing. Yeah. So I think that's the thing too. It's not like it's a wife that's like, and that might be a something for, you know, men to think about or women to think about in relationships is it's I think it's different when you have a nagger that just wants to nag about everything. Like you're someone that just is never happy. You complain about everything. But I literally never complained about anything but one thing. Well, and I think one of the reasons because I also made a quote about this, because, again, it was reflecting back on it, mm-hmm. sometimes selfishly we don't want to understand because that would require change oh for sure especially when you're young um, i mean and, and that's where i felt like is at the end of the day i didn't i had everything exactly how i wanted it so i didn't really want to truly understand because i didn't want anything to change yeah i was happy i had what i wanted i had my kids i had my wife my family the idea of it anyway mm-hmm. and, and i was happy with everything where it was you weren't, but I was. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to understand because I was happy. Mm-hmm. You know? But so, yeah, I think yeah, it, I get it, it was definitely a better place at that time. It was going forward, even though obviously there was still some issues. We got done there, graduated, got our first teaching job in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Thoughts and memories of Idaho. 
My family still likes to refer to it as the cat massacre of 2003. That's when we had kitties. (laughs) They climbed up into the truck engine and because we didn't take our truck very often and they hid in there for shade and we drove away with them in there. You're going to Utah, I think, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they got grinded up. Yeah, Yeah, I got to look under the engine. Super traumatizing. It's gross. But funny now in a way just because my family calls it they'll be like yeah we like call that the cat i mean massacre. it was bad enough opening the hood and seeing it well remember we stopped right away and saw the one yeah. and we thought we only killed one he was hanging from below and that was disgusting <laughs> then we got to the gas station and you checked the engine because we were gassing up and there was the second one well and i think the worst of it honestly was we had just ordered Subway, and I got a meatball sandwich. Mm. <laughs> I think that was actually the worst. Of it. I had the hardest time eating that. It was so gross. But. Yeah, it was a bad sitch. But that's a good memory. Um, Alyssa got her first stitches because one of the cats scratched her. Um, we always moved so much. I mean, we just either we pissed landlords off or we were broke. I don't know. But I think you were bored. I think you'd love to just. Well, the first house was we, those people were awful that we rented from. Oh, well, yeah, in Murtaugh, yeah. Yeah, in Murtaugh. And then we moved to the second house, but it was only a two bedroom. We knew we wouldn't be there long. And, you know, we had four kids. We had Darius by then. So that's another good Idaho memory. Well, we had Avery. In you North Dakota. Went, sorry, we're going to backtrack a little bit, but you went into labor. Actually, yes, at your my football very game. last football game. Of the season, yep. And I was out on the football field, like celebrating because we just won our last game. And you, you came up and said, I'm we like, got to go. go. And I was yep. like, what? You're like, we got to go. Maybe it's so coming. <laughs> I had to hurry and run in and go change. We took off yep. right for the hospital that day. Yeah, because then, we, I mean, we had her in Fargo. So it was an hour mm-hmm. drive just to get to a hospital. Yeah. Yeah, so we so that was cool, and then we had Darius in Idaho, and uh, that second house, like it's literally when you talk to the kids, like Branson is just like, yeah. my life was made in in that house. Like, it, we had a forest around us and the trenches, and they would play like wartime, and I'd come driving down that long drive, and they would come out with their guns and pretend like they were shooting at me, the enemy. I mean, that whole up second upstairs that was their room had all their toys in it. I mean, they talk about, yeah. yeah. Branson said they would do stuff with like, they'd take toilet paper out and get make wet globs and like have them be grenades and stuff. and stuff. Yeah. I can remember like pulling up and we'd see like, I think there was like five, five bucks on our front lawn. We had quail kind of in the backyard, mm-hmm. just kind of a small town, kind of a Oh, it was definitely farmy. Yeah, but the kids sure. loved it. Well, it was a small town feel that I actually really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked I, the newspaper again in Utah. And I love the kids there. I love working with the kids there. You got mm-hmm. more one-on-one time, but I was gone all the time. Uh, but you hated your yeah, the boss teaching staff. Tough. Yeah, it was tough. The principal and everything was... Oh. No, but the kids, it's actually, I'm actually having Juan and Howell on here, which is Martinez, which I'm actually really excited about. I think I'm friends with one or both of them on Facebook. No, I'm I'm excited to actually have them on here. It'd be really cool. I actually talked to both of them quite a bit. So, um, but for the most part, good experiences. I felt like that's really the place where I felt like I started to really mature 
in many aspects because I was about 30 at that time now. Not and quite, like, but close. You were like 26 when Darius was born. So when we left. I bet. No, 28. Yeah, you were 28 when Darius was born. So yeah, you would have been like 28 30. to 31. And I just felt like that's when most men really start to mature is about 30. Yeah. And so I think it was a big, I don't know, it was for the first time where I felt like, man, like I'm an adult. Like I pay my own bills. I take care of my family. I feel and like we were still time. poor. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> the fun of being a teacher and mm-hmm. man, four kids. Wrong so, career. <laughs> it was not well planned for sure. But so we ended up moving to Utah. Mm-hmm. get a job which i've been there the entire time which i've always loved and it's been a great place for me oh one thing i was gonna say about idaho yeah. real quick though is we love the hispanic community yeah it was heavily hispanic and we literally came away with some of the best friends for three sure. of my closest friends to this day i got from idaho julie jill and lilia yeah. and lilia was i mean so like family and still to this day me and branson literally just had this talk about how they would do the um, Cinco de Mayo yeah, celebrations and we'd, and everyone can contribute and we'd have all that wonderful Mexican food. And Alyssa did the little dance yeah. and she'd be like the only white girl in their cute little well, dresses. It, I think it was a fun experience for us. Have you ever seen the show McFarlane? Mm-mm. Man, I, I ball every time I watch it because oh it gosh. literally is Murtaugh. Yeah. It's about this coach who gets a teaching job in pretty much a predominantly Hispanic town. It's small. Mm-hmm. And his first thoughts are, this sucks. This isn't the job I want, but it's the only one that's available. Right. And he falls in love with it. So in so many aspects reminds me of yeah. my experience there. That was a that was a fun little time. Besides, you know, some of those other not great experiences with having to move a lot. And then, you know, the administration being kind of a joke there you know what you know what's nice about that though sometimes when you have something like that it teaches you what you don't ever want to be mm-hmm. i mean like I, I left there honestly i just like i don't know if i ever want to teach again if i know we were happy is. to leave and they made it rough especially to be your first three years sure. in the job like well, and i coached five different sports i taught seven different mm-hmm. subjects i mean i did everything i could yeah to you know, well, that's the only happy. place you've been able to use your history minor, and it was really cool. I missed that, actually. Yeah. So we moved anyway, to Utah. Utah. Uh, we actually moved in with your mom. I think that was a big culture shock a little bit for us, to be honest. Moving upstairs into like a tiny little place. Um, yeah, but it was temporary. I mean, we knew it. It wasn't horrible. You got into real estate. Mm-hmm. And... Our kids got more and more active with sports. Yeah, the two older ones. And in many aspects, this is where we started to see our relationship decline as far as when we first moved back to Brigham City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either it was, you know, looking back, it's one of those things of you're trying to go, man, what was everything that led to that point? Um, I think the big question that I would ask you is, is there, was there ever a point where you hit, like, man, like I'm just done. Like, is there like a certain specific moment where you're like, I don't think I want to be married to him anymore. I don't, I mean, a lot of years of build up, you know, over those couple of issues we had. And then, um, I do kind of feel like it was like a realization of man, my world revolves around this person 
And if he came to me with a problem, I would do anything in my power to change that about myself to make this work. And he doesn't feel that way at all in return because this was something that was a revisited subject often. And um, yeah, I just got to the point where I was like, he does not love me to the degree that I love him. And so I think at that point you like, you start to build that wall. Well, we're like after that, like that last year of marriage, nothing you did could have affected me. Yeah. Nothing that you did could have hurt my heart. Yeah. Cause I was just like, you know he doesn't even love me. So I'm over it. Yeah. You know, what's funny with that is I guess you should say funny, but when I went through the divorce class, someone said something, the, the teacher said something that actually hit home with very much what you said. And I said, Oftentimes, when you go through a divorce, one person has been slowly disconnecting. And so the other person that's being left hasn't had the opportunity to disconnect. So it's a shock to them and their hurt where the other person's already gone through that process. Mm -hmm. And it really hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh, like that's where I'm at now and where you had already been. Of yeah. Slowly disconnecting. And that's why I was struggling. And that's why you often hear this because I remember telling you this how can you act like you don't even care right yeah. why do you feel so cold and empty and and that's why you'd already been through that process yeah. because there's only so much you can talk about it and not be heard before then you just kind of feel dead inside mm -hmm. I mean even when we went and tried therapy like that twice that we went um which, by the way, you were very against therapy, so that didn't help us out too much. But um, I feel like there really couldn't have been anything to save it. Once you're kind of fully checked out, then the love's lost. It's hard to get back, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge to... Once I kind of made that switch in my mind, there would have been nothing you could have done to save it. I think the biggest thing would have been... You know, because so many people do this, and I'm sure I did it. I'm sorry, I'll change, right? But people don't change until they see the necessity to change because by not changing, it's affecting what they really want in life. Mm -hmm. And I don't think at that time I truly would have ever changed because no. I didn't see at that time what I was doing wrong. Well, even if I had set you down and been like... Here's the problem. I like you're pushing me over the like if I tried to be as real as possible and just laid it all out which I felt like I kind of tried but maybe not as harshly as I could have um I still don't think you would have I don't think I would have got it either I don't think you would have really been like holy shit I'm gonna lose my whole family and I, I just don't think I would have understood Honestly, like looking back, I don't think I truly understood. Well, it's like you said, too. You would have had to have been honest with yourself mm -hmm. and the main issues we were having would have had to have been fully brought to the mm -hmm. forefront. For sure. And you weren't ready to do that. Yeah, and I just don't know. Like I said, looking back, I just don't know. <laughs> it, it's kind of like when you go visit Big Ben, the clock, and you... When you go inside of the building up to where Big Ben is, you can't tell what time it is because you're in it. When you're standing outside, you can see what time it is because you're outside of it looking in. Yeah. And that's kind of what it feels like a lot of times in a relationship. You're in it and you can't really see it. 
Yeah. And it's not until you step out away from it and you're like, oh, now I get it. So it's, it's weird how it's that way. But so we start the divorce process, right? And at the time, I'm heartbroken. It was definitely the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. It was challenging for me. Um, Turned you into a crazy person for a little while. Oh, I'm sure to an extent. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's... Oh, yeah. I'd wake up to like 34 text messages. Oh, I'm sure. About what a horrible person I oh, I'm was. sure. Well, it depends on the <laughs> day, right? It. The next one is I miss you, right? Yeah. It's the crazy fluctuation of your thoughts and what's going on. and Yeah. And those were some of those narcissistic traits that you have when you're a younger male a lot of times. And even women. But typically, I would say it, you see it more in men. But it's one of those things where you're looking back and you're just like, man, like some of the stuff you did and, you know, one of my big ones I tell people all the time is I can't stand when someone's like, but I love you. You just did the opposite of what love would be, right? Saying something degrading, tearing somebody down, saying disgusting things, being horrible to someone is the opposite of loving somebody. Mm -hmm. But you see that all the time of like, please don't go. I love you. Right. It's like, no, you don't. That's not what love is. Well, yeah, that's like you said, you have to be out of it, too, and then have a really, you know, you're an emotional reactor. You've always Especially been that on, way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to blame my dad. And I'm a little bit more of a logical reactor. So I just always wanted to talk things out, but you have to have an emotional reaction to something before you're able to talk it out. I'm definitely better at that a lot, a lot better Not at that now. now. But I mean, I wouldn't then, know. For but sure. Yeah, yeah. Back then, I mean, still to an extent, like when we're dealing with like co-parenting and things, but yeah, but yeah back then, definitely. Was- You've just matured enough that you can control the emotional side better where back then you didn't care to. Yeah. You- what's stupid is back then is you blame it on something right you blame it on well i got from my dad or i can't control it at the end of the day what it really is is a lack of maturity and isn't that crazy because i've never seen your dad blow up well yeah but i had to grow up with him i know that's what i'm saying <laughs> and it's who my crazy. dad is now is not who my dad and was. see look at how he's grown oh, for sure yeah yeah that's what i mean it's a more of a maturity issue than it is you know yeah then an emotion issue or lack of control it's understanding no like that's not it's not the proper way to handle something Mm -hmm. so but some people just have it naturally like sean it's far more relaxed doesn't raise i mean getting him to raise his voice is impossible near impossible like he's very much a like he's that person that if you that was our problem is because I kind of feel like you trained me a little bit to always be on mm-hmm. the defense. Like you're having to defend yourself and make excuses because you would always just come so strong at me when we'd argue. And so I started out that with him, you know, and I'm a yeller. We know that I'm a I'm a yell at my <laughs> kid's mom, raise the voice. And so I would do that to him. Well, just to make sure everybody knows who Sean is and him is. It's oh, your husband. Oh, my current husband. Yes. yes. <laughs> and um, he will not respond to me. He will not. When you're like that. Yeah. He yeah. will not even have a discussion. It doesn't yeah. even matter. So he's now reverse trained mm-hmm. that 
that um yeah commas commas can be both of us when we have yeah. a disagreement we have we'll just sit down and well that's what it talk about when it I was with Jen, that's far more how i was like like but she was logical, the yeller you know yeah but she was definitely more um the emotional type um yeah that way but you know it's one of those where I kind of taught you to be calm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was one of those things where you look back and you're like, you know, I don't want to keep making the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to affect the next relationship I'm in. I don't know if you knew this. We're going to take a way, <laughs> go way back. But when we were going through our divorce, I don't know if I even told you this, but I was in that crappy apartment and you know what my all time low was? Was... I was moving into that apartment. My dad was helping me paint it. And I went to the mail and I got my master's degree from, from uh, University of Phoenix. And it sounds so stupid because people will be like, why is getting your master's degree your all-time low? But it was like a reminder of where I should be Yeah. versus here I am losing my wife, my kids, my house. I'm starting all the way over and I'm getting my master's degree. And it just felt like this big, what a failure. <laughs> yeah. I remember walking in and my dad was like, you don't look very good. And I said, I don't feel very good. And he says, you better go lay down. And I don't even remember hitting the bed. Like it was my all time low. But, you know, when we were going through a divorce and I didn't want it to happen, I can remember thinking to myself, what can I do to get her to change her mind so she doesn't want to? And I was like, well, maybe if I ever read a book, right? So I started researching books and I found one I could subscribe to a newsletter to. And so the very first email I get says, do not purchase this book with the intent to have your partner read it. And I was totally busted. I was totally being manipulative. So of course, now I want to order this book. So I order it and I start reading it in about Chapter one and two is a little confusing, but by three and four, it starts hitting home with a lot of what we've been through. And I had two highlighters. One was yellow and one was orange. Yellow was you. Orange was me. So I'd read something. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's totally her. Right. Because at the time I'm mad <laughs> and, and hurt. So I'd be highlighting yellow. And then I'm reading. I'm like, OK, yeah, that was me. So I would highlight orange. Well, as I got done with the book, what I found was there was far more orange than there was yellow. And it was kind of a reality check to me of like, man, like I've been doing all these things that I should have been doing different that mm -hmm. I didn't understand. And it really helped me to see. But I think sometimes it takes traumatic things like that to get someone to want to change. Yeah. So, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go. Yeah. And for me... Well, I think it, I don't know, it must be just who we are as people and I'm a people pleaser. And so for me, um, I was never in the dark about or unwilling to do whatever it took to make my family happy or my mm -hmm. husband happy. Like that was just the difference between us. Like you're reality and things you were thinking you weren't sharing and so i think that's why it, towards the end it was just so heart crushing for me 
And like once your heart is broken like that hard, you can't recover. So because for me, I, I felt like I was always open and aware to like the love we had. I yeah. mean, we had a good, crazy connection in high school, which is why we were together anyway. And, you know, four babies later and putting you through your bachelor's, putting you through your master's, like the sacrifices we make, like I don't go to school, I don't pursue things, like we're getting you successful because we know you'll be the main breadwinner. And it was, so for me, it's like, all I could think of in my head was there's this one thing yeah. out of all these years that I want, <laughs> there's this one thing. I, I will say this though, I actually was probably the most supportive I've ever been when you started doing real estate. Oh, it was never a question of you being supportive yeah. of me. I, I, I mean, just felt like it was the first time where I was like, yeah, let's get you a new car. Let's get you new clothes. Well, I like, always thought of you it. as like my best friend anyway. I mean, you were still that person that if I had like, I mean, I could call you mid work day and we could chat for an hour. Like that was never, yeah. you know, our views on pretty much everything were similar. How we were raised were similar. We both came from LDS backgrounds, like, but we also, you know, but it just, yeah, you just, you know, you, you live and I, and it would be like, yeah, I mean, it was like a, it's hard to even put into words because, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was almost like a negotiation to get what I needed and, but like anything you needed, yeah. I would give you. So you that's wanna... like over here with my perspective yeah. is like, I had a full deep love for you yeah. that I just would have done no, and whatever. I, and I remember that. Like you, you, and I tell everybody that, like you were always great to me that way. You're always like, you know, I'd get out of the car, you'd be like, you're so hot or you're whatever. You know, you're always very complimentary. Well, naturally complimentary, very... yeah. And, you know, it's so weird. Like, you look back and I don't know if it's because this is how, like, you're raised as, like, a man, right? Like, you're the man of the house. Like, you're the breadwinner, whatever it is. Even though you're actually the breadwinner for <laughs> me through college. But it's just this, like, mindset of, like, no, like, I'm the boss almost. And it's such a terrible mindset because nobody's the boss. It's about working together to, you know, resolve anything or to if you're going to decide anything or whatever it is. And back then I just remember, like, no, like, because I said, that's why. You know what I mean? It was almost like I was, like, a dad instead of, like, your partner in many aspects. And maybe well, you didn't feel that way. It just No, like I mean, there was maybe a titch of parenting, but I never felt like yeah. you were bad. I just almost felt like you couldn't really let me be my full potential because I felt like there was always a fear that I would leave. I don't mm -hmm. know, like a totally. a titch of an insecurity yeah. in you that made it that you couldn't like let me shine for sure. And I, yeah, I talked to people about this too, because it's weird because even though I was confident in who I was, right? Like I was a good athlete, probably considered a decent looking guy, whatever, but you still have these weird insecurities within yourself of like, of what am I not? What if she made somebody with money? Cause I didn't have money. Right. So money would have been an insecurity for me. Or what if I, what if she finds a guy with a better body? Or what if she finds a guy with whatever it is? And so what's sad about that is here you have this partner that's like head over heels for you and just wants you. 
but you're self-sabotaging it because you think she might want somebody else. It's almost like, don't you wish you could really be in someone's head and then we'd all have the confidence of the world? For sure. Because like, I would never even have thought of another person, our whole entire marriage. I never Mm -hmm. even thought of him. Not until like that last year when I was like... I need friendships. I need to get out of this. How do I do it? You know, and you start making bad choices. But up until then, like, I mean, never would I have ever even thought of another person. You know, you can obviously see someone be like, oh, that's a nice looking guy. And you move on with your life. You never, I mean, everyone notices when someone's attractive, but it doesn't, you don't react to that person. Mm -hmm. You don't care. And so, yeah, I mean, at that stage in our life, like... You know, yeah, it's just weird. You just like, want someone to want you as sure. much as you want them. And you should, and you think you're going to have that, and then, you know, and then that brings up insecurities in you, which is kind of crazy because I never feel like I acted it, but I would, I would always be like, "Is my chest too small? Sure, am I not fit enough? Like, am I not pretty enough?" And I remember we had that talk where, like. I would like go, I would go extra to get myself ready for something. And it's like, I could see it on your face that you thought I looked good, but you would never say it. Like you just, whatever was in you, you could never just be like, you look so pretty. Like you never would say anything positive. It's crazy, huh? When you think Sorry. back. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's what's funny when you talk about that, like when you worry about, when you start really like, Am I not good enough going through that? I totally hit that when we were going through a divorce. I was like, mm-hmm. man, like you start really doing a self dive into it. Am I not whatever it is? And I remember that. And I remember thinking, and I even told you, this choice has nothing to do with your exterior. Mm-hmm. Like always had been attracted to you. Never. That was never even a thing. Yeah. It was literally just, Yeah. The letdown, the letdown in the marriage, the choices. And I think, man, when you're younger, your perspective of what somebody wants in someone is the exterior. And then you, as you get older, you realize exterior really doesn't do you much because if the interior isn't taken care of, it's never going to last anyway. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what your exterior looks like. You know, the exterior should just be a perk. Yeah. But it's not going to last long term if you don't have the interior fix. and i was tiny our whole marriage mm-hmm. no you were <laughs> that's why i picked you you had small ankles <laughs> yeah <laughs> so did my mom <laughs> so stupid looking back but, but. you still live by that <laughs> don't I lie really, i really don't i just remember saying he that can't even time. help himself he's like oh small ankles i'm gonna ask her out <laughs> <laughs> oh, so stupid looking back but so really the big one that I really want to hit is the co-parenting, the blending of families. We got through the divorce part. We start to get into, you know, I meet someone, I'm with her for six years. You meet someone, you know, Uh, which is crazy. I met someone at the end of your six year. So I was single for six you know, dated and had like a boyfriend for a year and a half or whatever, but not, you yeah, did. nothing serious. And then, yeah, met Sean at the yeah. end. Yeah. And so, you know, 
dealing with the co-parenting part and the blending of the family, those I'll tell you what, those two of the toughest things that I've actually experienced that you really have no knowledge of, you know, and that you're not really prepared for. Yeah. Um, and I think I talked to you about this earlier. It's weird when you, when you have kids and you go through a divorce, what you don't realize is more often than not, the one partner is going to probably find someone with kids. And then the other partner is probably going to find someone with kids. And so now it's a six parent co-parenting. There's six people involved a lot of times rather than just the two of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you met someone that didn't have kids. kids, And yeah. so, you know, we're only dealing with the four of us. But, but and because I'm still single, so <laughs> don't have anybody else. But, you know, what are some of the challenges that you experienced with the co-parenting part of it? Um, well, it was really hard for your ex-girlfriend because... she had whatever her own things were with me that I wasn't even aware with. So co-parenting was hard. Um, then with you two also because I was single. So you guys had kind of a two parent home, really, even though Mm. you hadn't married, you was still, you know, living together. So you had this two parent home and you had a backup person. I didn't have a backup person. And so I feel like that's been a good learning lesson for you now too is me married with my backup person can be way more reliable than you that can't do much with one job and no backup person. So it was hard for me because I kind of felt like, you know, in those early years, a lot of stones thrown my way because it was all about the things I couldn't do, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a true understanding of dudes, I'm a single parent. I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm paying my own rent. I'm putting a roof over these kids heads. Like, you know, so it was difficult. It wasn't, I don't think we co-parented well in the beginning. I think we tried our best. Um, I always tell people, I think Rex has a split personality because one minute he's on the phone with me for a half hour, having a really good conversation about our kids. And the next minute he's like yelling at me. Like I remember the time (laughs) I got gallbladder surgery and I couldn't pick up, like I'm on pain meds and you're calling me screaming at me about not picking up kids. And I'm like, dude, I just got out of surgery. I'm drugged up. Bye. Like, you know, like we, so definitely, um, you know, world and miles of difference when your relationship ended, because I do really think a partner coming in who isn't understanding can hinder co-parenting. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think it's so important. You know, I've actually said that I'm like, if I meet someone that can't get along with my ex, it won't work. It just is, it makes it such a challenge. And really, the, the people that get hurt the most are your kids. Mm-hmm. And and I honestly never had a problem with your ex. Like, I I didn't even know her, yeah. really. And that was the hard thing is, like, well, there, there, was many- there wasn't an environment created to properly, you know, foster a good yeah. co-parenting relationship because she just disliked me for the reason of not disliking me. Well, I think it was early, you know, in, in all of it, like looking where it is now, you know, the maturity level and everything else. But 
you know, it's just, man, it, it's something people have to be careful about, right? When they add someone to their home of making sure that's, because I tell people all the time, like, I love you like a sister. I talk to you on the phone more than I do my own family, <laughs> literally, because we're dealing with kids all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have somebody that's understanding of that and appreciative of it and can have a good relationship with the exes. Well, and that's choosing some someone that is emotionally stable, doesn't have the insecurities of an ex. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I see your ex and now I'm threatened by your ex. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be someone who just loves you, wants to love your children and wants to make sure everything is going to be healthy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we just didn't have that for that first six years. Yeah. But the next six years have been pretty easy peasy with only a few arguments here and there yeah which is gonna happen i think people need to understand because even if i had to share kids with my brother who i love (laughs) if i had to share kids and finances with my brother you're still gonna butt heads sometimes you know and so there's gonna be times where there's frustrations and everything else like that i think one thing that for people that are listening that really need to learn is that you can only control what you can control because at the end of the day when kids are with you and you're going to go do something, I can't control that, right? There's times where maybe someone's ex does something that frustrates them, but there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you know I mean? With obviously within reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't control others. You can only control yourself. So you have to be to a place where you just know that. But I mean, we've never been, even throughout our marriage though, conversationally, We've always gotten along pretty good. Sure. And there's only probably a couple things, even through parenting, where we'll butt heads on, no, yeah. I think that's too far. Or, I think it sh- this punishment should be this or, yeah. you know, and most of it we have been able to talk through. But no, I, th- I think we have a similar way of raising kids. You know, I mean, it's pretty close. Like I said, there's again, I, I just know like early on, I can remember being frustrated, like if you did something with the kids, right? And it's one of those where a lot of times the parent that's frustrated wants to be able to control what they're doing because they mm-hmm. don't like it. You can't. Like it's one of those things where like they're entitled to go do what they want to go do. Just because you don't like it doesn't yeah. mean, you know, like the common one of like, I'll take you to court. <laughs> right? No, you're not. <laughs> it's it's really expensive and you're wasting your time Like when I moved out of town, that traumatized you for a minute oh, for sure. but it actually ended up being better i would disagree with you on that it's, <laughs> it's better i'm, I'm sure because you aspects. moved closer and you're closer to the school and being able to have the kids in fremont like it's better well <laughs> that's how i sounded cheerleady when i said that, that. was pretty cheerleady but <laughs> i think when you move back so when I moved to Ogden area and then you moved back is actually closer. where I felt yeah closer because I think you found too it helps when I can be closer to help. Well, you know, I just couldn't stay in Brigham. I mean, there just are things that happen that way. Like I was doing real estate. I couldn't find a job. And when I'm the one that's single, I'm the one doing all this crazy commuting and you move to Ogden and you're two minutes from your work, you know? But when we're up in Brigham, Brigham, I'm commuting to Layton. And then I'm the one who's like, who's going to get kids from school? Who's going to, you know, I needed to be That actually, you know, it's closer. That's the first time I've heard that perspective from you. Because my perspective at that time was just, you're taking my kids away. (laughs) Like, that's how I view it. 
you know, and so I'd never actually heard you kind of explain that before. So it's kind of nice to kind of hear that. But yeah, like I had that job. Um, my brokerage was down in Layton and then I got a job um, transaction coordinating in way in South Ogden. And yeah, and it was a lot. Little Avery was in kindergarten, like trying to get to her. So I just got an opportunity to rent out there and it was just going to funk. You know, I did have the kids more than you then. Like, and so it just allowed my household to function kind of healthier and not have little kids be home alone as much. It definitely made it a nightmare on me just because I was in Ogden teaching, but Branson's yeah, in Brigham City and with me. Sucked. And then mm-hmm. you are the opposite way. And it just felt like I don't even get to see my kids hardly anymore. And it was such a nightmare trying, like waking up early to like mm-hmm. meet you. It definitely but was not. <laughs> we weren't like, we weren't co-parenting well yet. And there was still a lot of resentment. And had we like been able to sit down and like have a conversation and me say, you know, for the benefit of the kids and like my working, I need to move here you like what can what can we do and what schedule can we work out to make it not so horrible on you but like you you weren't in a place where you could have been willing to hear that or really work with me well you know what else i think is terrible because you did take me to court i did over that but you lost but my dumb butt signed something beforehand so (laughs) that's why i lost you still would have lost (laughs) i don't know the judge did seem pretty sympathetic, but um, whatever he said, <laughs> he said, hang around and listen to the stories of people trying to move their kids to Hawaii. Well, he said, you know, I understand. He like, just didn't like I didn't give you proper notice. Well, and again, I think he was understanding of like my perspective from it. I think he was basically like my hands are tied. You signed the divorce. Decree. Well, you just gave me final gave say. You final say. Yeah. So I basically screwed myself. But. but you know, one of the things that I learned through that process that's terrible is it's like divorce is designed for two people to tear each other apart, especially when you have kids, because you're trying to like paint this horrible picture of the other person. Oh, of course. To try to gain kids the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And it's so disgusting how it's set up that way because hopefully people that are listening understand this. The, the judge doesn't give Jack about you tearing and degrading your other person, your partner down. You know what I mean? Or your ex down. They don't because at the end of the day, he's going to be like, cool, you, you're terrible and she's terrible. Cool. What's best for kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but I remember going through that of like reading something and I was like, what? Like I was so upset by something that you'd wrote and, and I'm sure I probably, Likewise, but it's one of those things that's terrible that it's kind of designed that way for you to like tear each other apart. Oh, yeah. You have to get as much dirt as you can on each other to make the other parent look better. And but I mean, like I said, though, early on, I mean, it took us like 18 months anyway to finally Mm -hmm. get divorced. So it wasn't going to be easy. And um, that's honestly why it took me so long to leave, because all I knew is you were going to be crazy oh i wasn't happy about it no i knew sure. and uh i'm like and i knew how stressful it was gonna feel and how hard it would be on the kids um so yeah i mean it would have been the only thing i think that could have been nicer is if um your ex just would have just let 
us parent. Like, I feel like it's nice for exes to have an opinion and be supportive of, like, the current relationship girl, I mean, when I'm saying your ex, um, supportive of you and your relationship with me. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that I that I look back wish could have been different because I feel like some of that healing and getting along would have happened sooner. For sure. And it wouldn't have, it, some of those things we went through, we wouldn't have had to have went through. Um, because I feel like that's all she needed to do is say, you know, I feel like sometimes when you bring that person in, they want more control over what's happening in the home without just saying, those are your kids. That's your ex. Like whatever you feel you need to do, do, you know, as long as it's not really affecting me or my children, you guys take care of your kids. And that's one thing that's been great about Sean. That is how he is with me. He doesn't get involved with anything that me and you do. He'll have an opinion. Sure. He'll tell me how he feels about something. But at the end, it's up to me and you what we're going to do with our children. And I, that's the only thing I wish that well, you know, it, could have been different. It's nice at this point because there's times where Sean and I will just talk about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's times where he said, hey, can you come to the store and visit with me? I'd like to visit with you about one of our children. And mm-hmm. we went up there and talked for probably an hour and a half. And, you know, it's nice when you get to that point where you can have that relationship with the other person's partner. And, you know, he actually said something that was really cool. I found it really touching. And even before this, like, you guys would call and be like, hey, can you help us move the hot tub or mm-hmm. whatever it is? And I had, there was a couple moments, especially even early on, where I was like, that's really cool that we're at that place. One was when you called me because you needed a ride to Salt Lake to get a car. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. You're like, you want to give me a ride to go get my car? And that's because the kids say dad's never doing anything. <laughs> call him. Just it's accurate. I'm at the gym or work or home. So, um, and then the other one was, I was actually at GNC buying something from Sean and someone was there. It was actually the South Ogden one. And so he was kind of explaining, yeah, this is Branson's dad. So I started to kind of explain how Sean and I were related and Sean just said, we're family. Thought that was really cool. It was kind of mm-hmm. like a touching thing of like, man, that's really cool to hear the stepdads say that because it really is. You know what I mean? Like I have a good relationship with Sean and his dad <laughs> and it's just nice to have that. His dad's a sweetheart. Yeah, he is. It's just nice to have that, that you can go somewhere and feel comfortable. And we can laugh and talk football and mm-hmm. talk about our kids or whatever else it is. Yeah. <laughs> or talk about you sometimes. I think one time we were talking about parenting or something. She's like, I, he says, I know she tells me all the time. I remind you of you <laughs> or something. As far as like the discipline part of it or something. Oh, yeah. He's he's strict. Yeah. Well, that's what he says. Yeah, I know. She says, I remind you of you or you remind me of him or whatever it was. But but um, because him and I are very similar that way as far as we don't deal with the disrespect. We don't deal with the. Yeah. He's just he's very good at you make a choice. You pay a consequence and I'm forgetful. You know, I always tease. I'm like, my mom, oh, you're grounded at breakfast and playing with friends at noon mm-hmm. because I don't remember. <laughs> and he struggles with that with me because he is about accountability and this is the consequence and and he does not falter from that consequence. Like oh. if you're grounded two weeks, two weeks at 12.01 a.m., you'll be free. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it's like, no. So Well, 
and one thing we found, you know, because, man, for anybody listening, when you get teenagers dealing with a split family, like, they will play it. Oh, yeah. And something we Every had kid. to learn. Oh, something we had to learn is we actually had to work together against our kids <laughs> because they would come to my house and say one thing and then go to your house and say another where we'd have to call and be like, I think that's even like pre- more preteen, mm-hmm. like that, like 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And then they're finally over it, but they'll still be like, dad, I'm at mom's mom. Yeah. I'm at dad's. And we have no idea where our child so is. So we have to call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it's more of like, Derry says he's going to your house. Have you talked to him? Yeah. <laughs> we have to like That's verify I mean. like, that. It feels like we have to work together against them sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of but I feel like it. we even did more of that when they were in that like 12, 13, 14, yeah. where they would actually be like, well, mom yeah. said. Well, I remember one. <laughs> Let me call Darius out a little bit. It was your week. And I was telling him he couldn't do something. He says, well, it's mom's week. <laughs> and I said, I don't care whose week it is. Like, yeah. it's like, cause that's something we've always been good at too. Like if kids get grounded at your house and they come to my house, they're grounded at my house. Yeah. It's one of those things that we work together. Well, yeah. If the grounding goes longer than the week, we'll say, please respect mm. that I've grounded him. This is what he's done. Keep him grounded yeah. at your house for a week. Cause he's on a two week grounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, if you're two parents who can't communicate in that kind of way about the children, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah. Because so. they, they will. They'll play each other against each other even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, every kid does. Like yeah. every kid from a split family. Well, I can remember you calling the one time and saying, um, <laughs> I'm about ready to beat your kid. He's talking back. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I says, well, are you on speaker? And you said, yeah. And so then I do the dad thing, mm-hmm. right, of getting after him and saying, no, you don't disrespect well, your mom. sometimes you need that support because typically dads are scarier than moms. Mm-hmm. And you know, you need to be backed up, but you've been good about that even early on. Well, that's something that like, don't talk to your mom that way. And for sure, you know, well, I, I don't want my kid being raised, disrespecting adults or mm. their, their mom in general. And I can remember, I mean, that's, that's something that actually you play a big role in. And I think I told Sean this too. It's, it's hard sometimes as the guy, sometimes you're more strict not always. Sometimes it's the mom, but for like me and Sean, we're the more strict one. Whereas a lot of times you're probably the more friendly one or understanding one. But sometimes that other parent that's more strict needs to understand how important your role is too, because my mom was that for me, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes I need that from you to go, hey, I know you're frustrated, but <laughs> we've had this talk a couple times where you're like, I know mm-hmm. you're frustrated, but you know, you got to remember whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's an important role to play that I have to remind myself of like, sometimes it's frustrating, but I also need to understand the importance of it too. Well, sometimes you just have to talk you off the ledge because you're real quick to jump it. Like I said, I'm really good at that now. Like Avery, <laughs> love Avery, mm-hmm. but definitely. Even Darius, we've had a couple times oh, where I'll like, lately. like I will tell them, let me call your dad first. <laughs> <laughs> and still today, they'll they'll be like, you know, I don't know why it is that way between us, but they'll even sometimes still say, 
you, they'll tell me you call dad. <laughs> if you call dad, it'll go better than yeah. if I have to tell dad. So yeah. that is, but it's just because of that, like us having some adult reasoning conversation before, you know, and sharing some different perspectives before you go crazy on the kids, even sometimes when they deserve it. But For sure. No, that's worked out. No. And I, hopefully this can help some people going through the co-parent part, the blending the family part, which you've had to do a little bit of. I had to go through that myself, which also was very challenging, right? Of trying to blend a family and adding, you know, mm -hmm. people's children to your lives. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people call kids baggage. I hate that. I hate that phrase. Yeah. Like my kids aren't baggage and somebody else's kids aren't baggage. Yeah. Right. Like, it, it's, it's the perception of baggage being baggage. It's actually the baggage. Right? When I was on a dating website and I mean, a woman on a dating website with four kids, you ain't getting a lot of calls. You know, you almost want to not put that you have kids yeah. because it's rough because a lot of these guys have three to four kids themselves and they're like, I'm going to get with the woman. We're going to have eight kids. Yeah. Like, no thanks. And I would always put on there, I have baggage, but it's Gucci. <laughs> because we have the best kids well like i said i just i've heard that a lot right of people referencing it i just hate it like i i think it's such a terrible phrase to use towards children you know and you would you would hope that somebody that's going to add someone of their kids to your to your lives that they're excited about it and don't view them that way yeah and you know because you because kids can feel it. Kids can tell yeah. when. And Sean definitely didn't. He came in with a very open mind. and. Oh, my, our kids love Sean. Yeah. Like they they think he's great. He, he's, he does a good job of blending stepdad, but also I'm a friend too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I care about you guys and I'm here for you. Yeah. And he really only has parented the two younger, mm -hmm. um, Darius and Avery, yeah. because he's been in their lives like what we've me and Sean have known each other for nine years. Yeah. So he's been in their lives a long time now and they were younger. So he does a little more of like maybe bossing them where he was way more of like, I'm here if you need me yeah. for Branson and Delissa because they were grown. Yeah. And so, and I love that about him. He never tried to take control. Um, and so even now with like setting boundaries with um, Avery and Darius, you know, I support him on it. I'll say oh, however you feel like you want to, you know, cause he's not someone that would ever put a hand on anybody, yeah. but he knows I'm forgetful and that drives him crazy. So I just tell him, you know, yeah. Like if you think he needs to be grounded two weeks, we'll call Rex. We'll let him know. Like it's just, you kind of have to be my memory cause I'm, I well, struggle with it. And I support him fully on that. And I've told him repeatedly too. And cause he does do so much for them. For sure. And so, yeah, I feel like, uh, well, they're, you, they're know, you don't home. get to re disrespect him. They're in his home. And I also would want him to view my kids as his kids because my kids can feel that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When he treats them like you're my kids too, yeah, kids can feel that. And so yeah. with part of that requires discipline on his end too of going, no, like this is my home and you're not going to disrespect my wife or you're going to uphold my rules and. Yeah. So I when they love him for sure. Like Darius is uh, was cute the other day because he took Sean's shirt out of his closet without asking. So and so 
he like walks up to Sean and like puts his arms around him and gives him this great book, bit big bear hug. And he's like, I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry for taking your shirt. I'm, he like listed like three things that he knew would be like a pet peeve of Sean's. And so, of course, Sean like hugged him back and was like, you're fine, dude. Just Well, now ask I'm me. mad because he steals mine all the time and I don't <laughs> get any of that. He's not going to hug you. <laughs> I don't get any of that. He's not going to hug and apologize to you. <laughs> your dad. You get to be taken advantage of. Yeah, I see how it is. I know. Sean's the only one getting respect out of this right? group. So, <laughs> <laughs> No. So, well, again, I want to appreciate you coming on. Um, again, I was so excited to have you do it. I really was. And, you know, hopefully this can help people that are going through some of these things, um, which is really the whole reason I started this. And, again, I knew it was going to be just fun. I mean, it was just kind of a deep dive and us kind of reflecting. Like I said, we're yeah. in a good place where we can. And so a little therapy nice. sesh. <laughs> so before I go, I wanted to hit on this. Give me, I'm going to give you three things I'm grateful for towards you. And I want you, if you could count up to three <laughs> of things that you're grateful towards me. Okay. Am I I'll, going first? I'll go first. Okay. So I would say first and foremost, one, I'm appreciative of everything you did for me to get me where I'm at today, right? I would never have my degree without you working as hard as you did to get me to where I am. I actually said that in my commencement speech. And, yeah. And I did. did even cry. Yeah. Good speech. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, everything that you do are for our kids. You're always the one that they turn to as far as like um, when they're in trouble, when they're in trouble, <laughs> right. They'll tell you all the deepest, darkest secrets before they'll tell me. <laughs> but again, you're kind of that place for our kids many times that my mom was for me. Mm -hmm. And um, not that I'm not sometimes also, but you know, you're definitely more, I'm less scary. I'm de you're less scary. I'm yep. more the disciplinarian. You're definitely <laughs> less scary. Uh, the third one, you weren't prepared. You have to think too hard. I didn't honestly think about it. Actually, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of directions I could go. There's a lot of appreciative. One, I mean, you're, you're the mother of my children, right? There's nobody will ever love my kids the way that I do except for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a connection between the two of us till the day we die. And I think sometimes people forget that, you know, that, that there's a connection there. Um, no, just, just honestly, the friendship part of it, the respect factor that we both have, um, of working together, helping each other out. I know that if I was upstairs sick in bed, I could call you and say, Hey, can you bring me some medicine? You would, you know what I mean? So just appreciate that. But would I? Depends on the day. Just kidding. Just Depends kidding. if they messed up your burger. I would, I would help you out. <laughs> if you had nobody else, I would do it. Um, I haven't thought about this probably ever. But obviously, um, super involved. So I can say that through everything, like super involved with the kids. Like we used to joke, like, why couldn't I just had like a deadbeat so I could just move on with my life? And he <laughs> never wanted to see any of our children. Yeah. But of course, not the case. You've always been um, 
super involved, like with all their athletics and the things that you love and they love and you, you know, share that in common, you know, I mean, you know, when I was working, like there were so many things I couldn't even come to. And so if you wouldn't have been able to take them, they wouldn't have had a lot of those opportunities. So of course I'm grateful for that. Um, with that said, I'm actually going to add one because I actually did think about this beforehand. One thing that you've always done a great job of is always paying half of sports and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And there was times where you didn't have a lot, but you always found a way to help out. Um, and it's not a requirement, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that paying half of sports isn't a requirement to do, but something that no. you always tried your best. Unless to it's pay. in your papers. Sure. Yeah. It has to be core degree to that extracurricular activities are half and we never had that but i always try to um yeah so you're good at that uh and also very good at the communicating yeah like calling me up anytime that there is a question with kids like we've never had a problem with that and even though probably the third thing um kind of superficial but still important you've never not paid your child support you know sometimes you're forgetful and i remind you but it's a good enough and open enough relationship that once i tell you you're like sorry here you go you know like it's never been we've never had you know you've hated it and we've talked about it in the past but early on i did that's for sure yeah i think most men do it's kind of a shock you know yeah it's a hard thing to get used to you treat it like a car payment and off you go, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of women that don't have it and have to fight for it and, yeah. you know, go to court for it. And I mean, so yeah, you hate it at the start, but regardless, we've always worked it out. We've always been able to talk about it and you've always done that much for your children. So mm-hmm. even though you haven't had a lot to do some of those extra things, at least, you know, you did do half of their sports. You did, pay your child support on top of that and I've never had to you know it is it's one of those responsibilities that you think should be easy but it's not easy for a lot of people so so before you go um I was gonna let you kind of give a spill because you are a real estate agent you do own four GNCs with Sean Mm mm-hmm and so I'll, live, I'll let you kind of give a spill well, a little bit. Well, sort of. I'm just a 5% partner. <laughs> there you go. It's part owner still. <laughs> I think it's really funny because when people hear Sean and I's story, um, that's one thing they love because I always tease about the things that you sacrifice for someone that you love. And one of the things for him, because he you know, he had a kind of a hard upbringing too. And he's one of those people that's kind of hard to reach as far as like really being in love. Like before me, he kind of admits he doesn't even think he's ever really been in love. And, um, I worked my butt off to help us get that first GNC. So, I mean, we'd come in a hurdle and I was like, no, we're going to, you know, over, we're going to get, we're going to surpass this hurdle. And his family kind of teases me that I'm the problem solver, which, you know, probably been good at that most of our lives but um we did we over we overcame it and we freaking got that gnc and that was before we were married that was november of 2013 well in the same time i was having all those issues with channing and his father and that was like a low point for me and sean owned this it wasn't brand new it was like two years old but it was his baby it was like a pearl white 
WRX, like his dream car. And because I was a single mom, the car that I had bought in when I was a realtor broke down. And my dad was having me drive this forest green piece of crap that like literally when you drove in it, you smelt gasoline. I'm like, I'm, me and my children are going to blow up at any moment now. And Sean traded in that WRX and bought me that GMC Acadia. True didn't love. even have my name on it. Yeah. Like yeah. just didn't like Sacrifice. sold. Yes. The one thing that he had worked so hard for. And that was like his baby because he said, I never drive it and you need a car for your family. And he got me that car. And that was like right after like the GNC thing. So we kind of teased that like, like I did everything I could to make his dreams be realized. And then reciprocated. Yeah. It was reciprocated with something that he had to give up because he knew it would better my life. And then it was like, That's oh, awesome. <laughs> well, and I tell everybody, you know, I, I can't, and I've told Sean personally yeah, several sure. times, I think, <laughs> of how appreciative I am towards him and him coming into our children's life and to your lives. And, yeah. you know, he didn't just make your lives better, your life better. He made our children's lives better, which yeah. in many aspects has made my life better, too. Yeah. And I'm a very appreciative of that, you know, for him. And so yeah, he's an awesome person. And maybe someday I'll have him on here as, as a stepdad perspective. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> So, but again, I, I appreciate you coming. Um, I know you got to get back, but, um, but yes, thank you. We have GNC in South Ogden, North Ogden, Elko, Nevada, and Klamath Falls, Oregon. And you are so real if estate you want to support shopping local and yes, I still do realty. Um, still love remodeling and flipping homes. Our house, we have a house in Oregon. We Airbnb if you want a vacation up there and, uh, yeah, good times. And that's it for this edition of The Rex Effect. Thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and please share with your friends.